Hey, we love a Wednesday because it means pet chat. Also, for the first time this year, joining us from Barker's Imbalance, I'm so pleased to welcome back Julie Tolliday. Hello, Julie. Hi, welcome to Dave. the new year. Welcome to us. Thank you very much. How I'm glad been? to be back. Oh, very well. Busy and, and happy with the dogs. That's good. Now, you've got a special guest that's joining us that we're having a chat to today. Yes, her name's Louise Stephen, and she's a flyball enthusiast. And it's not about training flies. It's dogs, and it's a sport called flyball. And we're going to talk to her a little bit more about what that's about. We will find out about flyball. That's very interesting. That's coming up soon. And also our vet is here. He's winged his way in from America and it's good to have Dr. David Tabret with us. Hello. G'day How was the United States for you? Oh, Convention over there, wasn't I was, it? Yeah, we went, we went off to a conference and visited some hospitals so had had a great time but Boy, oh boy, didn't I look forward to a coffee when I came home. Ah, nice. Mm. Well, we're glad to have you back. Thanks. It's Pet Chat. Julie Tolliday is here from Barker's In Balance. And Julie, a special guest joining us to talk about Flyball. Yes, thanks, Dave. Hi, Louise. Thanks for coming and talking to us today. Hi, Julie. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Now, Flyball, I know, first of all, people are going, what the heck is it? Now, I know you're an enthusiast and a trainer. Can you describe to it what it is? Like, what, what do the dogs do? Okay, so personally, I think it's the funnest thing in the world. Um, so flyball consists of a relay race between two teams of four dogs. So basically, each dog must jump over four hurdles, retrieve a ball by triggering a flyball box, and then they return over the hurdles to the start-finish line. So okay. we use lights that are similar to the lights used in car drag racing. Oh, yes, of course, you were talking about, yeah. So tell yeah. us how that that works. So the dogs have to go according to the lights, the signal from the lights? Yeah, so like in car drag racing, you sort of rev, you rev your engines as such, so you rev your dog up. Right. Um, and when the lights, they actually make a noise. So dogs that have been doing travel for a long time get really, really hooked up and they hear the lights starting. Right. Um, so basically... When it hits, going through the um, gates at that time. Right, so it is a very exciting thing to watch and to participate in. So there's lanes of dogs running. So yes. there must be some skills that the dogs have to have to be able to run in lanes alongside other dogs running in different directions. Oh, yeah, just a few skills. So can you tell us some of the skills? Um, so... We're having such trouble with that phone. We might have to leave it there and try and track back to Lucy and uh, Louise and get her on a, uh, a normal yes, line. We'll yep, try and do that okay. in a matter of moments here at Two in Your FM. Our vet, Dr. David Tabret, is with us and talking about snake bite today. Dave, uh, we're experiencing, of course, the late effects of summer, and uh, we're still seeing dogs coming in with snake bite. And so we we often cover this subject for people, but it's certainly a, a timely reminder that these summer hazards are still out there. So I draw people's attention to if your pet has access to any bushland or if you're going for a walk through the through bush. Long grass and that. Long grass or even if your property adjoins an area where there's some waterways or some scrub territory, then that's going to be a prime site for uh, Especially a warm be day because the snakes like to come out and if it's long grass, they feel they're safe and they'll try and warm up in the, the long grass, don't they? Yeah, and the the uh, you know the behaviour of the snake is basically of defence, and so they either want to get away, or they if they're cornered they will bite. And obviously, you know, we talk about people making sure that you don't corner a snake and you just let them go away. But 
dogs, uh, they're not going to play by those rules, and we know that they'll try and go for a snake. So we do see an increasing frequency of bites even at this stage. And the type of snakes that we see involved primarily in the Newcastle region and Lake Macquarie are going to be uh, red-bellied black snakes. Now, if you go further up the valley away from the coast a little browns. bit, we're, then we're going to see the eastern browns, although I must uh, let you know and let the listeners know that we have had um, eastern brown snake bites for dogs in the Newcastle area. So it's not a not a hard and fast rule. So what's your quick response? You're out for a walk with the dog and bang, it's been bitten okay. and you see a snake slither off. First of all, make sure that you're safe yeah. and if you can, restrain your dog. Do not try and kill the snake. All right, and we have uh, blood tests and urine tests that can tell us what the type of snake is. Now, if the snake is killed, then sure, it might be, you know, you can bring it in for identification. But, you know, if you look at the snake and you go, oh, it was a brown snake, a snake coloured brown, doesn't mean it is an eastern brown snake. So identification of snakes generally is fairly poor just by visualisation. But I would caution people, don't don't try and chase a snake thinking that you need to get it to help the treatment. What you need to do is then keep your dog calm and uh, transport it to the nearest veterinary facility as soon as possible. Okay. Um, and in those cases, we always say, even if your dog appears normal, we're still going to be concerned because in some cases they may have had an envenomation. The signs of snake bite can occur you know, within minutes to up to hours later. So don't don't assume that just because your pet looks uh, quiet and calm that they don't uh, that they haven't been bitten or they haven't even received an envenomation. We certainly do see uh, pets that have been bitten. We've found bite marks, but they're not showing clinical signs. And we think in those cases it may be that uh, you know the snake hasn't delivered a, a, a dose, so the so-called dry bite, and that does occur. Uh, however, in many cases uh, the pet will start to show signs pretty quickly and the so- signs that we see are things like tremoring vomiting collapse uh, in some cases this progresses to when there's neuromuscular weakness like breathing difficulties or they're unable to walk and um, when we look further we find things like tissue damage uh, red blood cell damage and clotting problems and that's really the thing about snake bites in uh, differentiating them from things, say, tick poisoning and uh, botulism or pufferfish toxicity, all of those things can cause paralysis, but a snake bite will also see the paralysis plus blood damage or clotting problems or tissue damage. So it's those combination of signs that alert us that that's what we're going on. And uh, as I said, we have some blood tests that can tell us what the most likely snake bite is. Um, there's a bit of controversy actually around the use of antivenom and, um, in people but also in animals and we're very lucky in Australia that we have um, some fantastic companies that have put in the work and the research and they give us very, very potent antivenoms. In our experience, we do need to use antivenom as a treatment for our pets and uh, I must admit our success rate is reasonably good um, when we can commit to the you know, the time and obviously the expense associated with the treatment. Some of these pets are going to be in hospital from, you know, anywhere from, say, two days to a week or so, depending on how badly uh, affected they are by the venom of the bite. It's Pet Chat, 49216216, if you'd like to talk to our vet, Dr David Tabret, just like Helen's doing now from Walls End. Good afternoon, Helen. 
Good afternoon. Um, oh. Yeah, look, I have a, a female Tetherfield Terrier. She's almost six. Mm-hmm. I think she, su- she suffers from separation anxiety. She gets very anxious. Um, um, and she's a house dog, so she's with me all the time virtually. But she she's not scared of storms at all. I mean, she doesn't like lawnmowers. They frighten her, but storms she can handle. That's not a problem. But I notice if, if she hears a sudden noise or something, she's... She's virtually following me from room to room, and she gets she's almost under my feet all the time. Not all the time, but most of the time. And I'm just wondering if if there's something that I can do to sort of help her with that. Or sure. Now, is she apart from following you around, Helen? Is she um, displaying any other behaviour like uh, chewing on things or harming herself in any way? Not so much. She okay. used to, but she's not so much now. But sometimes. As I said, she's, it's only me and her, um, mm. and um, sometimes if I'm, we're sitting there watching TV every night and she'll, she'll hear something and she'll sit up and she'll, she's looking around like she's anxious and that type of thing. Um, absolutely loves people. People come here and she absolutely loves them and she's a really people dog. But, yeah, it's just that she's, she's under your feet all the time sometimes sure. and you're following from room to room and... And I've just come in from from a few hours being out, and she's you know she's okay, but she's right near my feet now, and yeah, yeah. So I just wonder if there's anything to, that I can do to settle it down, or I think that um, there's a number of things. And first of all, if as you said, there's just the two of you, so obviously she's going to be first of all alert uh, to things in the environment, and that's what you're seeing with that response. I guess the following around thing. Obviously, it's quite flattering, but at the same time, you're sensing that she's not comfortable just to be on her own in a room. And um, so it is something. The reason I asked about the injury to herself is I have seen dogs that have actually taken that to the next step and really caused a lot of problem. And that's when we have to step in and say, okay, the first thing we need to do is stop that uh, destructive behavior. And that may involve medication, but ultimately, the basis for our treatment for this problem is going to be some behavior modification now we've got julie toliday here and this uh this subject julie this is right up your alley what what do you think would be some good advice for helen well i I, the way i describe it to people is that your dog needs to know that there are three states of being not two with you so i say it's like black and white at the moment the dog's with you she's happy she follows you around and everything's white when you go when you're not in sight, when you leave to, to go out and do the shopping or whatever, it's black. There's no grey. Now, what does grey look like? Grey looks like the dog is in her own area, but you're in another area. So we do things, you can do things like give her a little time outside while you're inside, but sometimes they don't cope with that. Sometimes they need something to go with that, like a food toy or a Kong that's been stuffed with something really nice. Um, a Kong is one of those rubber toys that looks like a, a Winnie the Pooh beehive. Um, a little exercise I do inside with people, and I say it's quite easy to do, is while you're watching television, just tether her. Just, that just means to tie her to the leg of, say, a coffee table. Give her her bed to settle in, and you have a few treats with you. And your first step is to just, you watch telly, and when the dog starts to settle, you can give her a treat for being calm and lying down and being quiet. This will help her to probably realise that she's not always on duty because when you tie them up and you reward them for being calm, they go, oh, is it okay if I don't prowl around the house? Your next step is then on the ads. I usually say on the ad breaks, 
just go a few steps as though you're going out of the room and then turn around and come back like just short circuit it and sit down don't make a fuss of the dog get the use the dog used to the pattern of i go away i come back i go away i come back if the dog doesn't handle the go away very well when you get up to leave the room drop a kong with a little bit of um uh cheese or something in it when you leave the room and when you come back take the kong away so the dog says every time she goes i get a kong with a bit of cheese spread uh, when she comes back yeah. i get her but i don't get the kong and i want the dog to get to the stage where it goes can you just leave the room again or go shopping so i can have one of those kongs with cheese in it i like that idea i like that idea i think yeah. that's some great advice for so good luck with that helen and i'm sure a few of those activities um yeah, your little one will probably be wishing wishing yeah. you to go away. <laughs> We've got another call now from Musselbrook. Luke joins us. G'day, Luke. Yeah, hello. How are you? Good, mate. What can we do for you? Um, I've got two Staffordshire pups about 13 to 14 months old. Mm-hmm. And they're chewing their bed. Can you turn your radio down, Luke? All right. Thanks, mate. Um, well, it's, again, this is... a. a pretty common problem particularly in this age group and staffies are a, a, a very active and energetic breed and so if they've got something there to chew on and i've seen uh, dogs um, just destroy their bedding and people go through a number of uh, beds before they come to a solution um yeah, julie I've, I've... a lot of stuff but i don't want them to their bed yes and look Sometimes it's going to be management, like sometimes it might even, although you want them to sleep on them during the day. So what is their bedding at the moment? What's it made of? Uh, stuffing inside, the, uh, all the material stuff, the stuffing inside. Yeah, I'd take away the fluffy stuff. Just, they're staffies, they'll be all right. I, re- I reckon, where you say, just use a hessian bag. I know it seems awful, but just give them a hessian bag at the moment. Uh, well, I've been putting it up up high at, during the day and putting it down at night. It reduces the problem. Yeah. I, look, honestly, with some dogs, it's like if there's an interesting little thread or a little hole with an interesting little something poking out, you could try to... No, they're staffies. I was going to say sometimes you can put stuff on it that doesn't taste good, but staffies usually just override that. It's very hard to get toys that are tough enough for staffies, but maybe black kongs, they're the rubber toys that are shaped like a, a cartoon beehive, and but the black ones the are hard super ones, tough. Yeah. And maybe stuff those with... My best advice for a kong is to stuff wet food in it, even if it's canned food. Don't buy too cheap, but canned food, stuff it in and freeze it. So when you give the dogs these black hardy kongs with frozen food in they've got a big job to do for the whole to, day and yeah, or, whatever or, or night night time yeah. Mm. yeah yeah okay thank you for your call good luck with that luke hope it works and we're enjoying your phone calls on 49216216 we'll get back to the phones in just a moment julie Tolliday, we're having a talk about manners when we're taking our dogs out for a walk they've got to have manners they certainly do and a lot of people sort of let that slip or they become so overwhelmed they say i just don't know how to do it and one of the one of the things that i hear over and over again from people is they say but he's perfect at home he doesn't do this stuff at home mm. but you get outside he's the gate excited when he gets out that's for a walk. right because there's distractions new people and new things to investigate so the biggest call that people have is they don't want their dogs to react to people or other dogs or any other things on the walk 
So now I'm going to confess that I've said a really dumb thing lately. We've got a young Labrador uh, now. And um, do you know I'm the dog trainer and when people come up to me on a walk and they go, oh, isn't she beautiful? Do you know I've been saying, she's going to jump on you? Oh. What a terrible thing for a dog trainer to say. So I've had to review everything and, of, co- of course, she's not going to jump on them. So there's several things we want. First of all, what about you're walking your dog and a walker, a cyclist, a jogger needs to get past So you need to do these things. Pick the distance at which you need to just pull your dog to the side. Sit the dog and ask for the dog to focus on you. Do you know most people thank you for doing that? Like I do that with both my dogs when I take them. I sit them at the side. The walker goes past and they go, thank you, because Mm. I think they're used to being lunged at. And most dog walkers don't think to do it. They struggle past with their dogs. So that's something to keep in mind. People come up to you and they want to pat your dog. That's Can just, I pat your dog? Yeah. Oh, no, they don't even ask. They come in, they go, hello, Poochie. Uh, they don't even ask you. So. Can I pat your dog? Yeah. If you, yes, you can pat my dog, but could you wait while I sit her? And then would you mind approaching calmly? Mm. And when you reach out to my dog and she jumps up, could you just turn away briefly so that your approach and her jumping. I just want to pat her. Oh, wait, wait. I know, and that's what they do, and they go, I'm really good with dogs, and they say things. Dogs love me. Yes, dogs love me, and then they go, I don't mind, it's okay, I don't mind if dogs jump on me, but you've got to be strong enough. But you mind. Yeah, and you have to say, but you're teaching my dog to jump on strangers all the time. So it's a little bit hard because you don't want to offend people, but you know what? It's often they're strangers, and you're never going to see them again. No. So you need to stick to that standard. Well, that's true. Um, and then what about your dog wanting to approach other dogs? You've got a nice, friendly dog, and you see a nice, friendly dog over here. Now, people say to me, oh, yes, yeah, she's really excited. She's doing triple cartwheels, but she'll calm down once she says hello. And so I say to people, for the next 12 years, your dog's going to do triple cartwheels and howl when it sees another dog. So the rules are sit your dog first. Ask the other person to sit their dog. After they've paused, say, go play. Now, this we teach this in class because it is a skill. Let the dogs have a little interaction where they're having a little sniff of each other. Have your leads loose. That's what we have to tell people all the time. Don't have a tight lead on your dog because they're going to think something's wrong. So loose leads, and as long as the dogs are floppy and a bit goofy, their greeting is okay. Don't let it go too long. Practice your recall skills. Call them back out. Say to people, thank you very much for the interaction and on your way. But the more severe one is where that your dog does lunge and bark at other dogs. Really what you need to do is to move your dog a good distance away. And sometimes it's cross the road. Get them to sit and focus on you or practice your drop. Practice getting the dog to lie down on the ground, even though there's something exciting a little way off. Where proximity is a problem, so you've already got to, like too close to the dog you're approaching, just say happily and lightheartedly to your dog, let's go, turn in the other direction and do a little retreat. You're not teaching the dog to be a scaredy dog, you're teaching the dog to follow you that you'll make the, the decisions. It helps your dog to feel safe because often when they lunge and bark, they're not happy yeah. and and it diffuses anything that turns into a neighbourhood scandal and everybody goes, oh, she's got a mad dog, that woman. Mm. Okay, then. There you go. Some great tips. Now, we're back to phone calls. 49216216. Helen's joined us and waiting patiently at East Maitland. Hi, Hi Helen. Hey, g'day. How can we help? Um, I've got two cats. They're both from the same litter. Mm-hmm. Would there still be one dominant one? Um, so how old are your cats now? 
seven and a half. All right. Generally, with cats, are interesting because a lot of people think of them as solitary creatures, but they can often be quite social. And I'm sure that you see their behaviour. You know, they are interacting with each other and with you all the time. Um, We don't see this sort of behaviour that um, we might see with dogs, where some of those dominance behaviours are more established, but it does tend to be more dynamic. So it could be that certain situations... One cat, for instance, say, who's going to, who's going to walk through the door first? Um, and that may be one cat over the other. And I've even seen circumstances where that changes day to day between the cats. Um, access to food or attention, they're just much more individual. Um, so it's not clearly established that they behave in a dominant way, although some cats certainly can be aggressive uh, and that can be interpreted as dominant but I think it's more an individual trait rather than uh, a function of, you know, having two or three cats together. So um, have you seen any problems with with the cats? Well, I noticed the female seems to want more attention than the male, and he's off hiding. Okay. So, yeah, you're probably seeing just that individual trait, their own personality, I think. Um, And, you know, we... I don't think it's necessarily gender-related. We do see, obviously, you know, male cats that are very friendly and male cats that aren't and females that are and females that aren't friendly. So it's really just going to be individual personality. But sometimes you will see uh, an order to behaviour when there might be certain things like who's getting attention and who's getting food and things like that. But it does change um, and, of course cats well they're hard to predict so if you can work out who's in charge on any particular day i think you're probably you know your best place to do that because you know them so well so yeah i I don't think it's going to be a big problem it's just going to be their individual uh traits is pet chat our vet is dr david tabret here and we've got a call for you right now from the entrance with jeff g'day jeff yeah how you going good now you've got problems with some fleas i believe Fleas in the yard. It's very sandy soil. Mm. Uh, haven't had them for a long time, and they're back and getting on the dog. All right. Now, how many how many dogs spray? how many dogs Sorry, do you have? Only one. Just one. Okay. And any cats? No. Okay. Well, that's good um, because it does make it a little bit easier now. Look, the the, lo- the short answer is that we're actually at the wrong end of the season to make a huge impact um, because really what we're dealing with now is you're seeing the end result of eggs uh, hatching into pupa, hatching into, you know, into larvae, into pupa, into adults. And so when you see the adults, we're really at the tail end of that. And, of course, because fleas are going to kick off around about that August, September as the weather starts to warm up, uh, by the time we get to February, they're in full swing. So it's often feels like you're trying to hold back the, you know, the tide uh, when you're dealing with this sort of problem at this end of the season. Having said that, though, there are a few things that you can do. If you've only got one animal, the reason I said that that's actually a bit easier is because the flea life cycle has to go through the pet. So they have to feed off your dog to continue to reproduce, which means that if we have an effective product on your pet, basically you're going to capture the uh, the flea life cycle at that point, and so they'll gradually die off. The problem is that you've got this backyard that's full of 
flea eggs and flea pupa, and they're just continually hatching. So some people have used uh, sprays and so on in the yard, and you can do that, but look, to be honest, the pupa are extremely hardy, very resistant, and... Um, you know, it may reduce the numbers a little bit, but again, it's really just trying to hold back the tide. I think you're using, if you're using a very effective uh, uh, flea insecticide or adulticide combined with a um, uh, insect growth inhibitor, and there's a number of these on the market nowadays. Um, particularly, some of them are basically once a month tablet or a once a month spot on, and uh, on your pet. That's going to control, give you good flea control over the month. But the problem is they're just going to keep coming out of the soil um, where they've been, the eggs were laid last year. And so they're just going to keep hatching and you're going to be seeing them. But at least be assured that because you're using a really effective uh, flea control that you're actually going to be killing off the numbers. And I think you're going to see the benefit of that next season. So doing the work now means you'll have a much better result come September, October. We've got a uh, problem on the roads we just need to tell you about. It's a concern with the uh, traffic lights. They're flashing yellow. There's a problem with the traffic lights. That's at Walls End, Newcastle Road at Douglas Street. Uh, police are directing traffic. Uh, exercise caution. Could be some slight delays there at the moment. That's a problem with the traffic lights. Flashing yellow at Walls End on Newcastle Road at Douglas Street. So uh, could be some delays there. If you're in the backup of traffic there, that's what the problem is. The police could be directing traffic there too. Before we go too much further, we've got our pet of the week, Julie. And you've got details about wonderful Clyde. Yes, a very, very cute little kitten here, 10 weeks old. And it's a soft, he, it says he's got a soft tabby coat uh, and that he's a really fantastic kitten. He's great with other cats, good with cat-friendly dogs and is fine with kids. I think he ticks all the boxes, actually. Uh, it says he's a true champion. It doesn't say what he's champion at. Um, he's spirit, he's spirit. He's oh, a champion spirit. Excellent. Okay. He's super affectionate and just wants to be with his family. And they are recommending that he be suited to a household with another cat and also a house in which someone's home a lot because he really likes being with his two-legged friends. Uh, he comes desexed, microchipped, vaccinated, and has had flea and worm treatments. He's located in Stockton, and his adoption fee is 180 That's pretty good for all the things he's already had done to him. And it says here, for further information, phone Anita... 0400-107-603. And I'm fairly sure if they ring the station, they can get the details or go to the website. Yeah, have a look at the website. You can see a picture of him. He's a cute-looking cat, too. He's there. Yeah, mm. You can see a picture of him and find out all the details that you just told us about, Julie. Great. Okay, now we're almost out of time. Only about a minute and a half to go. Just a quick one, a couple of dog events, very quickly. Yeah, a couple of dog events. Uh, this Saturday at Maitland... There's um, the Hunter River um, and Association Limited. It's a full show with all classes of dogs from toys, terriers, working dogs and so on. That's at the Maitland Showground this Saturday, February the 21st. And at Cessnock uh, on the 27th of February, there's a similar show that's got toys, terriers, working dogs, gun dogs, non-sporting dogs. In Sydney, and I know for some people it's a little bit far away, but I'm going to be going to this, there's a super sniffer workshop helping learning how to train dogs to detect medical emergencies in people, particularly diabetes. I would say it would be seizures as well. Uh, and that's at the Farmer Dave Dog Centre. You can go to farmerdave.com.au to find out more about that. 
Well done. That's almost it, you guys. Thank you for today, Julie. Great to have you back for 2015. We'll look Thank forward to you your company much. in a few weeks' time. Thanks, Dave. Yes, I'll be back. And welcome back to the country, Dr. Thanks. David Tabrett. Thanks, Dave. Back in a few weeks' time also. Yep. It's our pet chat. We love to do it on a Wednesday, and we thank you for your input too, giving us your phone calls. You make it what it is.